What's up? It's your girl, Coach Dana Spencer, and you are listening to Keeping the Towel. Peace world, easy world. It's your man, Ann Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. It's another episode of Keeping the Towel. Thank you so much for rocking with me again. And ladies and gentlemen, it is a new hour. It's a new second. It's a new minute. It's a new day. It's a new month. And in this new month in time, it is time for you to make sure you are still in the fight with me. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not alone because I'm in the gym. You already know I got a new sparring partner with me. So ladies and gentlemen, hailing from the great Wildcat state of Kentucky and a weight of none of your damn business. Don't worry about it. Ladies and gentlemen, my homegirl, Miss Dana Spencer. Dana, you in the building, my girl. I am in the building. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, she is here with us. And so you're going to get a chance to hear about her life and why is it that she is still in this fight with us. So, Miss Spencer, this is what I need you to do. Make sure you get your hands wrapped, get your gloves on, get your mouthpiece in your mouth, get your headgear on, and make your way to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, grab a seat and gather around. It is Aunt Boogie and Miss Spencer. We're going to touch gloves, Dana, because this round, this sparring session has officially started. Let's get it. So, Miss Spencer, let's go ahead and pop this eight-track tape in and dial it back to 19... And let us know, where did it all start of the genesis of Miss Spencer? Yeah, so I am from Louisville, Kentucky, like you said, home of the Kentucky Derby. And it all began... I'm, I'm not ashamed of my age, 1970. I'm 52. I'm in my fives. Yeah. Y'all, and she don't look a day like it. So um, my parents got divorced when I was seven. So we ended up moving in with my grandparents. And my grandfather was all about playing a musical instrument. So I played the clarinet when I was age nine. My mother bought my first clarinet from a pawn shop. It was like $49.95. So um, play the clarinet throughout middle school and high school. And playing an instrument is what helped me to stay out of trouble. So, you know, I was overweight, not athletically inclined, lazy. So, but I was practicing my clarinet. So my grandfather was into passive income before it was a thing. So he's like, well, maybe you can play an instrument and play in a nightclub or do something else. But he was always thinking about how to earn money in multiple ways. And so that's why, that's where I believe I received my entrepreneurial spirit from is from my grandfather and just always trying to make more money and always thinking about money and always talking about money. That's where I got it all from. So Dana put me in the home. What was it like growing up? So when my parents got divorced and we went to go live with my grandparents, my dad would come pick us up sometimes. So my dad was an alcoholic. So sometimes he would come pick us up and then sometime he wouldn't. So that as a child, just like we got our clothes on, we're all dressed, we're in the picture window. At the time, my grandparents had this big picture window. And so we would have our knees in the couch and we'd be just looking. Looking out the window was gonna make him come any faster. And we would just be looking. And then sometimes he would show up, sometimes he wouldn't. And then we had an aunt that would be like, oh, your dad didn't show up again? And you know, you couldn't be disrespectful back in the day, right? Like these kids are now, but that's a whole other story. 
And so I'm, we were looking at her like, we're still here. If he had picked us up, we wouldn't be looking at you. But I know she didn't mean any harm by that, but it was just a jab, right? right. But whenever he would come, he would always be drunk. But we would have a really good time, right? Because drunk, drunk people can be really fun, but we would have a really good time. And so fast forward a couple of years, I think it was about nine years old and he started dating this lady or bringing us around this lady. And so she had a son and he said that this son was our brother. Hmm. Well, when I did the math as a child, I remember when I did the math, I was like, so if this is my brother, then that means my dad cheated on my mom. And so then I went to my dad and asked him, right? And I really believe if he would just have told me the truth, then I wouldn't have taken on this angry, mean mindset. But he wouldn't answer me. So I took it out on the brother. I was mean to him. And so to this day, you know, since my father never answered me, then I didn't know. So that kind of took a turn for where it started as far as me being like a disgruntled, angry teenager. But thank the Lord I was playing that instrument because I had that way out. Dana, we grow up. Now Dana is a teenager. Take me into the space of teenager Dana. So teenager Dana, my mom ended up buying the house for my grandfather and we moved into the hood. So with my grandparents, we were in a predominantly white neighborhood. We got called the N-word every single day to my mom has this house in the hood where it's all black people. So now we went from the extreme from getting called the N-word over here to being afraid of our people and getting bullied. So I just stayed in the house. And because um, I was like, I'm not used to this. Like what in the world? And so I stayed in the house for a long time, had my clarinet to practice. So that was very, very helpful. But you know, when my mom would date, like I would just be mean to everybody. Like I had a really bad attitude. I was nasty and that's why I think I love teenagers to this day because when I see them, I see me. And so I love teenagers because I want to help them because I feel like if someone had just had the conversation with me to help me to process that, like, okay, your mom cheated on me, your dad cheated on your mom, okay, fine. If someone had helped me to process that, I feel like the outcome would have been a little bit different. So I kind of want to help teenagers because they're going through so much. They've seen so much. And so just showing them the love of Christ, right? And of some have compassion, making a difference. So I wanted to help the teenagers that were just like me. Ended up getting a scholarship to play my instrument in college. So took the scholarship and was able to um, be in the marching band. You had to march for one year (laughs) with the scholarship. And I had never marched before. So memorizing music was just foreign to me. So that was tough but ended up not getting the scholarship again because it was taking up too much of my time to have to take those music classes knowing that I was not going to major in music. So kind of stopped playing there for a little bit, but now I play for my church and I absolutely love it. And I'm thankful I know how to play an instrument. So anybody out there, if you have kids, definitely encourage them to play an instrument. Number one, to help them to stay out of trouble. And then the math and whatever side of your brain that you have to use. I mean, it's just one of those things where I'm thankful that I can do something that not everybody else can do. Yeah. You said that when you was with your grandparents, you was in a predominantly white area and you heard the N word constantly. Dana, 
How did you and your sister handle that when somebody just walks up to you? Of course, this is a different time, but somebody just walks up to you and just say, hey, N-word, what was this like? How did you process this? Yeah, I think I think we just muted it and ignored it. And one of the things, like I said, I was overweight. And so I felt like we just ate all the time. And I don't know if that was a way to... You know, we began to be comfort eaters because mm. we wanted to eat at school. And my grandmother was making us breakfast at home. We were like, grandmother, we don't want to eat breakfast at home. We want to eat at school. But she wouldn't. My grandmother was like, no, you're going to eat this food, right? So we would eat both places. We would eat breakfast at home and then we would turn around and eat breakfast at school. And then we'd have ice cream every single night. So I had to break a lot of those habits because, you know, I don't know if it was, like I said, comfort eating or whatever, but you have to deal with negativity in some kind of way. And like I said, since nobody helped us to process it, we just had to process it the best way we knew, which probably was by, you know, suppressing it with food. Wow. Now moving into the hood, no one explained the dynamic between you and your mother and your father, what was going down. So this was suppressed and you through music, correct? Right, right. Practice all the time. And then sometimes my dad would call drunk and that it would just make it would just upset me so much because he would be quoting scriptures. His favorite scripture to quote was Psalm 23. So it was just it was awful. But um, it is what it is. Right. Your parents are who your parents are and you have a choice. Right. You don't get to choose your parents. You don't get to choose where you live, obviously, but you do get to choose the outcome. So you can either decide, oh, I'm going to be an alcoholic and be just like my dad. Or you can say, you know what? I'm staying away from that because I know how painful it was to me. And I don't want to embark that kind of pain on anyone else. Yeah. So Dana, you go into college with her clarinet. But you say you didn't take any music. What did you take up instead then? I majored in accounting. We were the first generation to go to college, right? And mm. so... I don't ever remember talking to a counselor, but I remember having a conversation with my mom. No shade on my mom, but she didn't go to college. And so she was like, well, you're good with numbers because whenever she would go to the bank, I would always like to count the money. I just love counting money. I love cash registers. I love all of that. <laughs> and I used to play store all the time. And she was like, you should go into accounting because you like numbers. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Majored in accounting, took my general ed courses. I got an A in marketing and an A in finance. Mm. I didn't have the foresight to change my major. Started getting into the upper level accounting classes. Struggled, I mean, <laughs> struggled, struggled. Made it through finally. I had ended up going to summer school a couple of summers to pass on time because I was a stickler for wanting to graduate in four years. Right. And I ended up graduating in four and a half. But my mindset was, well, at least I graduated in the same year. So I came out in December of 92. Okay. And in the summer of 92, my favorite aunt passed away. Mm. And she lived in Virginia. So I came home and I was super upset because I didn't know how to process that. This is my favorite aunt. Went home, cried on a friend's shoulder. And then we ended up going to... Virginia, went to the funeral, came back home and then went back to school and didn't think anything of it. Come back home one weekend and the friend whose shoulder I cried on was like, oh, you just used me like that? So had unprotected sex, went back to college and I actually had health my senior year of college, which <laughs> why I didn't have health in high school is a whole nother story. <laughs> I had health my senior year of college 
And when I started doing the math, I was like, uh oh. So, end up missing my cycle. I had a very regular cycle, missed my cycle, had to go home to get tested. So now I found mm. out that I'm pregnant. It's my senior year in college and I'm Whoa. pregnant. Whoa. So I come home, have a conversation with my mom. I was like, hey, um, just went to the doctor. I found out that I'm pregnant. And she said to me, I'll support you with whatever decision you make. Mm. And so with that, I knew she was giving me the permission if I wanted to have an abortion and saying that if I decided to keep my son, that she would support me with that as well. So my mindset was, you know what, if I'm big enough and bad enough to have sex outside of marriage, then I'm big enough and bad enough to keep this child. So kept my son, didn't have an abortion, and he just turned 30, got married last year, no children. And I, I believe his motivation was he saw how difficult it was. He felt how difficult it was growing up in a home that just had the mom. So he didn't want that same pain for anyone else. So that definitely was his motivation. So I did end up graduating college with my accounting degree, but praise the Lord, since I was pregnant, I had to just go get a job. Like I could hear my granddad saying, you got to put meat on the table. You got to put food on the table. Somebody's got to put the bacon on the table. So I just, you know, got a job, the fastest job I could, which was a receptionist job at a subsidized housing project in Louisville. Cause my roommate at the time, her mother ran this, they called it Village West at the time, this apartment complex. And she ended up hiring me. This was back before, you know, you had the mindset of, oh, I need to get a job with my major. Like I didn't <laughs> want a job with my major anyway. So it was the perfect out. I just got a good job. So that's right. what happened. So Dana, let's go back just a little. When you got word that you're pregnant and your mother said, yo, look, whichever path you want to go, I'm with you. You hear this sometimes, oftentimes with a lot of women who are pregnant. Did you have this mulling in your head you're like hmm i could but you decide to go like nah i can't did you have that mulling in your head i don't think so mm -hmm. I, I think i always had the mindset of no because if i did it was a very short period of time and my mind would have been like what's it gonna be like every year when this is about the time that would have been the, my child's birthday and what's it gonna be like i felt like if i did and i don't know that i you know if i mulled over it it wasn't very long because i felt like i wouldn't have been able to deal with that like that would have been just horrible i feel like every single year like oh your child would have been you know born in may like every may i would have been just like completely distraught and i don't think i would have ever been able to forgive myself yeah. for doing that and you know, a lot of times when you are, well, you don't know this, but when you're going to get exams, they ask you the question like, how many pregnancies have you had? And how many children have you had? Mm. So for me to have to say, oh, I've had two pregnancies and one child or whatever. Yeah, I, that, yeah. You get this young man and he, they put him in your arms, 10 fingers, 10 toes. Praise and the Lord. now it's like, all right. Dana, what goes through your head? Dana is now a mommy. It's so crazy because I remember in my, like my ninth month, I remember thinking, I don't think I can do this. Mm. Like, I, I can't do this. <laughs> it was like, you you have to do this. You, you don't have any choice. And so 
you know, I had this child and I remember like, Lord, like this, this child didn't come with an instruction manual. Like I've never raised a child before. Like, what do I do? And so the Lord led me to the book of Proverbs. And there are 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. And I just began reading a proverb a day. So, you know, it's the second, read Proverbs 2. It's the third, read Proverbs chapter 3. And I promise I did this for, I believe, seven years straight because the book of Proverbs is so rich. Every month when you you look at a verse like, was that, was that here last month? I know it had to be here last month, but... And then the way it hits you at different points of your life, different things you're going through, I can lead you to specific verses as to why I did what I did with my child. You know, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. A child left to himself causes his mother shame. That was my favorite one. So even when the Lord laid it on my heart to put my child in Christian school, and at that time my house was in foreclosure. And so it was like, Lord, I went to the altar and I was like, Lord, you know my financial situation. If you want me to put my child in Christian school, you're gonna have to pay for it. And I left the altar. <laughs> and so I ended up getting a side job with selling kitchen tools. And I took my son with me to all of those home parties. So there was home parties and I'm selling in order to put my son through Christian school. And he's with me in every party. Like we were a package deal for so long. Like when you got me, you got him. When you got him, you got me outside of, you know, him going to school. But yeah, we were we were definitely a package deal. Dana, this young man starts to grow up before you. God, you're going to have to help me with this one. So this young man starts to grow up before you as he's growing. What was this relation like with his father? Once my son got older, graduated from college, then they were able to have a relationship. And my son, amazingly, he didn't have, you know, hold any grudges or this, that, and the other. So just really, really good because obviously children can't hold grudges and be bitter and this, that, and the other. But praise the Lord, my son, he didn't experience any of that. If he did, he never told me about it. He probably was a little bit bitter when he was younger because the school that he went to, when the Lord told me to put session in Christian school, like everybody in his class came from two parent homes. Like mm. everybody, I think his class was like 10 or 11 people, but they all came from two parent homes, which was difficult for him. So my mindset was, that's why I worked two jobs the entire time because I didn't want to play the single mom card and I didn't want anybody playing it for me. Almost mm. like, you know, he can't do that. You know, he comes from a single parent home. You know, he can't do this because no, none of that. I didn't want that to be said of him ever. And so I busted my butt so that that would not be the response. I would go on tournaments. I would go, I was at everything. So much so that one of the, one of his classmates said, I wish my mom was here. I'm like, that was worth it. As he's growing into a man, the challenges that you faced as a single mom with a son at this moment in his life would be great to have a man. Did you have that or was it like, no, nah, I'm going to just teach him how to be a man? Did you have those moments? I do believe I had the mindset that I could teach him everything he needed to know. I did have that mindset. That That's how strong-willed I was. Like, I can, me and God, we can do this. The blessing was there was his high school principal. Shout out to Dan Delaney. Um, he said the home is 90%, school is 5%, and church is 5%. Mm. The Christian school that I put him in was affiliated with the church. And so there were so many 
positive role models for him that I believe he was able to learn man things from the men at the church. So I definitely encourage any single mom, if you are out of the church, you need to get in the church because your son needs positive male role models or if that looks like, you know, being in a nonprofit on a regular basis that cater to, you know, being father figures to young men. If that looks like making sure he's in sports where he's got male coaches that are a good role model. We have to be intentional about that part of our lives because we just cannot be everything to our children, especially our boys that they need. And like I said, I thought I could be that and I just couldn't. So, so much so that me and my son took the extreme execution assessment and our numbers are so, so very familiar. I mean, they're almost identical. They're identical. Out of four categories, our numbers are identical in two of them. Mm. But with his father being the opposite side of that, if he had had both of us, his dynamic may have been different. Right. Right. So we got to we got to be real careful with that. We have to. And I know as moms, we tend to be, you know, the caregiver and not wanting anybody to discipline our kids, not want nobody to put our hand, their hands on our kids. I get all of that. But we still have to make sure that they have that positive role model and that they are able to learn life lessons through sports and through playing an instrument and some of those extracurricular activities to make sure that they're well-rounded and not soft and not just playing video games all the time. Absolutely not. So Dana, you have your son with you. You're out there selling. What got you into real estate? How did you get bit by that bug? Because I remember you said with your grandfather, you find a way to get paid to, to make money come in. Yeah, so actually my uncle was a real estate agent. And when I lived with my grandparents, my uncle lived there too. Just wanted to try real estate and just jump out there at both feet. And I almost lost my own personal house when I did that because when you're a real estate agent, you only get paid by commission and I didn't know that. If you don't sell a house, you don't get paid. So you would show houses to people and they would quit their jobs or they would wanna keep looking and then they would end up buying the house that you showed them the first time. I mean, it's tough out there with being a real estate agent. So it's not the glamorous job that you see on social media. All you see are the Mm. highlight reels. You don't see them having to answer the phone all the time and having to go show houses. So if they are, if they sold one house, (laughs) it was a couple that didn't close and they didn't, I mean, it's, it's tricky. And so I jumped into it full, full fledged, almost lost my own personal house. This is about 20 years ago. So fast forward, I, I guess I still had the bug inside of me. And so I was in corporate America and I met a lady that said retirement is a number, not an age. Mm. And when I heard that this year in particular, there were so many people who they had turned 55 and the company was offering them a buyout. And I remember thinking when I turn 55, I want to be able to take that. And so I ended up joining a real estate investors association and then they had a a workshop and there was a black lady and I reached out to her, sent her a private message and said, I want you to be my mentor. Well, she had a mentorship program, ended up going through her program, getting my first piece of property. I was like, if I do this three or four times a year, I can replace my salary 
And the premise was with the retirement being a number, not an age, you decide how much money you need. So let's say that's $5,000 is how much you need every single month in order to pay your expenses. If you can create passive income with real estate of $5,000 a month, now you can retire when you want to or do something to walk into your God-given purpose. Because a lot of times when you're at corporate America, you just have a good job. You're not walking in your purpose. You're not fulfilling why God puts you on this earth. So real estate, I saw that this was a vehicle that I enjoyed that I could use in order to get me to where God wanted me to be. As Dana is getting her foot into real estate, she's starting to get the mojo. As you said, that what we see is the highlight reel because I think it's what TLC and HGTV and everybody's just selling, selling, selling. But when you had to deal with that, what kept you going? I can't jump out of this one. Yeah, this is a great question because even my son was like, when are you going to give up? Really? And yes. In terms of I bought a, a piece of property and it needed a ton of work. So it was $30,000. So a $30,000 property anywhere, you're, you know, it's going to need a lot of work. Um, so bought a property, $30,000. It needs a lot of work. Well, it got broken into one time. And so my strategy was for it to be a short term rental because I had friends who had short term rentals in the West End. That's the part of town that. I had bought the short-term rental. But all these other people were saying, oh, you can't do this. You can't have a short-term rental in that area. So you gotta be careful who you're listening to. You should be looking at the people who are doing what you want to do as opposed to listening to the naysayers who don't have any rental property, who are not getting income passively. Like, don't even listen to them. So I was watching the people who were where I wanted to be. So I'm like, I'm gonna have the short-term rental. After the first break-in, I was like, huh, okay, okay. It was, it was just a fluke, just a fluke. Second break-in, I was like, eh. Because <laughs> what, what do people want? What are the two things that people want from a short-term rental? They want them to be clean and they want it to be safe. So I couldn't in good conscience, knowing that it was because, you know, nobody was there and people, contractors breaking houses, whatever. And so, but in good conscience, I was like, I'm just going to flip it. I'm going to get rid of it. And even with, after the second break-in, this is why mentorship and a coach is so important. After the second break-in, I called my coach and was like, okay, what do I need to do? The house just got broken into again. So she was like, do this, 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 and this. And I did all of those things. So having a coach is so very, very important. And I knew I couldn't quit till I got to the finish line. Dana, you had your break-in at the crib, got to your coach, and decided to keep going with it. What was it that finally just got to you and said no, even after your coach spoke to you. You just said, no, I cannot give this up. Yeah, it was, you're not a quitter. Hmm. What example would that have been to my son if I had just quit? So that's the part that just resonated with me is that that's just not what you do. Like even when there was a time when he played little league football because I love football, and if I'm going to have this son, he's going to play football, right? He had the football <laughs> body, and then every time when we would be out in the grocery store, people would be like, what team do you play for? Who you play for? And finally, I tortured him for two years 
He played Little League. Like, he played tackle <laughs> at age six. You know, now they play, like, flag at six. Mm-hmm. He was playing tackle at six. And so tortured him for two years, and then I was like, you know what? Finish the season, and then if you don't want to play anymore, you don't have to. So I felt like if I made him finish the season with football, then I needed to finish the season with completing the renovation project and getting to the kids' ash and getting to the finish line so that that wouldn't have you know, been a bad taste in his mouth. Like, how come you were able to quit and I wasn't able to quit? Mm, mm. We see a lot of people who quit some things just when it gets rough. Why is it, in your opinion, that happens? A lot of times people are like, well, if something gets hard, then this just must not be God's will. Mm. And I think a lot of times we blame life getting hard. We confuse that with, this is not God's will for my life. And the Bible doesn't say that we're not going to have tribulation. The Bible never says that. So I think it's a big misconception that just because something gets hard, that this is the wrong thing for me to do. I was just thinking about this recently. It's just more like a speed bump. There's a little hump in the road and you might have to go a little bit slower, but stay on the road, right? Don't don't take the exit just because something got hard. Maybe you need to go a little slower. Maybe you need to you know, do something different, but, but stay on the road. Just because something gets hard doesn't mean that you should quit. And I think that that's a big misconception. And we just want everything to be easy. Life is not easy. It was never meant to be easy. Because just think, when you're in your comfort zone, you don't learn. You don't grow. Because everything is comfortable to you. And then you're just working on autopilot. There's no personal development that's happening. There's no getting better. There's no improvement. So I think we got to really be careful with thinking that life is supposed to be easy. Like it's okay to push through some hardships because on the other side of that, now you are better. You're more prepared for what God has for you at the next exit, right? (laughs) So as your son has grown and matured into a man, as mom Dana sits back at times and watches this young guy now 30 still young and he's growing into himself growing growing into his own what is it that you as mother that astounds you and just makes you say wow he was a school teacher for two years we had um a school teacher and she was horrible that made him realize i want to be a teacher so that i can be better than what some of the teachers were to me so went to college he graduated debt-free. Oh, I take that back. He he had to do his student teaching and he had to take out a loan that last semester. So maybe he ended up having $8,000 or either $4,000 or $8,000 of debt, but he worked his entire way through college and graduated, like I said, with a little bit of debt, was able to get a job at our Christian school and started coaching. Man, when he was coaching, those two are the best years of our lives because... I was keeping the books. He was the coach. I mean, it was just so much fun. So-and-so has four fouls. You only got two timeouts left. I mean, it was amazing. I loved it. Wait, he he coached the same school he went to? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He ended up graduating, going off to college, getting a teacher's degree, and then he came back and taught at that school. Yes. Very good. Very good. Wow. And so then, you know, we were traveling all over the place. Um, having an amazing time. Well, then the school fell on hard times and had to close. Well, he ended up getting a job part-time 
with the Nike store. So he started off as a part-time associate and just has worked his way up, like a promotion almost at least every year, some promotions at the six month mark. And now he's been at Nike for six years and he trains the leadership team for the Ohio Valley. So anytime they need training or open up a new Nike store in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, or Pennsylvania, he does the training. And so they recently opened, there was a local store here that closed down and then they opened up a new store in a mall here. And so they were having a premiere event and I was like, hey, can can you get me into that premiere event? And he was like, I'll see what I can do. So he gets me to the premiere event the, not, the day before they actually open to the public. And you talk about a proud mom moment. I'm like taking a video of the store. I posted it on LinkedIn. Like this was the journey of my son. He went from a part-time associate and now he's a next trainer and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, so that was definitely a proud moment to open up a store here in Louisville. I mean, he's opened up stores in Ohio and oh, Indiana. I don't think I said Indiana. He's opened up a store in Indiana and Ohio and all of these different places. But to actually open up a store here in our hometown was it was a proud mama bear moment for me. <laughs> so you just watch it come full circle, trying to make sure you raise this kid right. And then he just goes through the gamut. He's now operating stores and basically his leadership, which is a very, very good thing. What is it that you see and you want for the path of others who are coming behind you? I definitely want them to focus on raising their children. I think too many, and this is my personal opinion, too many women let distractions prevent them from really raising their children. And I think we're seeing the fallout of that. And I want you to realize that God bless you with that child. And you need to make raising your children your primary focus because you only get one shot. And so at the end of the day, I wanted to know you did the best you could with the resources that God provided for you. I think we need to focus on our children because once they are out of the house or once they graduate from high school, then you have prayerfully, you have time to live the rest of your life. Like right now. So now is my time to do all the things that I wanted to do when he was a child. And so I just believe, and I just want all of the mothers out there, all of the fathers out there to focus on raising your children so that you don't have any regrets. You said that today's mothers have too many distractions. They're distracted too much. In what way is it due from social media or just different things? Cause again, Back in your time, there were not that many. It was like, it's either you're going to sit down and watch TV or hang out with your friends or not. But what are the distractions that you see in the 21st century for parents? It is definitely social media. So I was I was one of those strict parents. I was so strict that my son did not have a cell phone when he was in high school. And even if I were to raise him all over again, even in this day and age, he would not have a cell phone. He was always with an adult. When they when he went on basketball tournaments, when he was always with an adult. So what do you need a cell phone for? Now, whether or not he was playing with his friend's cell phones or whatever, you know, that was out of my control. But I'm not going to hand you 
uh, look, I'm about to date myself. I'm not going to hand you a Playboy magazine. Like the, you, you can't handle this. The, right. the adult men can't handle this. So if your child has a cell phone, at the very least, monitor it. And so in terms of the distraction, you see people out in restaurants, you see mothers with their children, and what are they doing? They're on their cell phones. Yeah. They're not having conversations. The dinner table is one of the primary places to get to know what's going on with your children, to know if they're having any problems in school. Like we always ate dinner together at the table with no phones. That's right. And I'm so old school now, even when I have dinner with him now, I want to say, put your phone away, but he's 30. So it is, it is what it is. I mean, technically but, you still can say that. Yeah, right. But be present. You got to be That's present. Right. And whatever, I promise you, when you get ready to drop your child off for college, when you, when they go off to the military, they start a business, whatever, it's gonna be more important to you to have that peace of mind that you did what you could than to realize that, you know, you got 5,000 followers. That's not going mm. to matter. What's going to matter is how did your child turn out? What did you do? Don't let anything come between you and raising your children. Dana, I swear. I don't have kids. I'm glad to know that I got somebody who's on the same page with me because, yeah, there ain't no way in this lifetime or next that I would give a child below the age of 16 a phone. There ain't no way. I'm sorry. Dana Spencer, why do you keep your towel? I mean, you just can't give up. Like, you have to have goals. Where do you want to be? You want to do things differently from your parents. You want to have the freedom to, you know, travel or visit your grandkids whenever you want to. And you just can't give up. You got to keep pushing. You got to have the desire that you want something different. Ask God to give you the desires that he wants you to have so that you can accomplish his plan and his purpose as to why he even put you on the earth. So definitely don't give up. How you do anything is how you do everything, right? So whether it's real estate, whether it's that job, whether it's raising your children, if you give up in one area, you're gonna give up in all areas. So just make sure that you have the right mindset, the relationships, the people around you, the, the squad of people, so that you don't give up. Because if you surround yourself with people who are giving up and throwing in the towel, then you too will give up and throw in the towel because it's the law of gravity. It's so much easier to pull somebody down than for you to pull them up. Ms. Spencer, if there's any last words that you want to give, the floor is yours. Yeah, I just want to say, don't make excuses. Like, oh, my, my father was an alcoholic. I was raised in a single parent home. Um, that's why I can't do X, Y, Z, because we blame the past. So take ownership for where you are in life. Acknowledge where you are, and if it's not where you want to be, and more importantly, if it's not where God wants you to be, then start to make some changes. Start listening to podcasts, start reading books, start being a members of organizations where it's helping with personal development, or if you want to start a new business. If you still are on this earth, then you still have breath in your body and there's something that God wants you to accomplish. So don't make excuses and just make sure that you are on the path to accomplish his plan and his purpose for your life. Well, folks, there you have it. Ms. Spencer goes ahead and drops some serious gems on you. And yeah, 
That is definitely old school what she was talking about with kids and phones. But you may not agree. But again, that is her viewpoint and it's coming from a whole different time. So, Ms. Spencer, thank you so much for tuning in and vibing with me. This sparring session is officially over. And yeah, I'm going to put all of Dana's information in the description box. Make sure you tap her and get some information. I'll check out her website. She has a book. She has everything out there that you're going to be able to go ahead and check out. Ladies and gentlemen, like I always tell you, wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw your towel. This is your man, Aunt Boogie. I'll check you when I check you. I'll see you when I see you. Peace out.